Hello friends, I would assume you are likely either using your zebra paintbrush to paint another beautiful piece or maybe you're using it to baste your turkey. <laughs> well, we have heard of those from time to time that have used a clean zebra paintbrush to do just that. Either way, whatever you're doing during this holiday week, we think you will enjoy hearing from another one of your refinishing friends. Today we have the privilege to highlight November's featured artist. Our featured artist is a popular refinisher with a wide range of style, turning heads in the refinishing world. She is a Zebra Collective judge and first place winner of one of our Furniture Feud podcast segments. Today we get to chat with her and as we discuss a few of her pieces, we're going to weave into the conversation the topic of using the right type of paint for the specific finish you're after. So stay tuned. This is Zebra's Before and After. I'm your host, Lane Ball. Now, the one and only Jeannie Pope with Blush Vintage. Welcome back to the podcast, Jeannie. Hi, Lane. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for letting me be your November feature. It was like a dream come true. <laughs> well, it's, it's exciting to feature you because you're quite talented. Oh, thanks. I have a question for you. So after you won first place in the Furniture Feud, did you get like threatening mail from the other contestants on the game <laughs> show? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love how you played along with that. <laughs> well, by the way, for our listeners, the other contestants were was uh, Sarah with Olive and Fern and Courtney with Steelbert Studios and they're cousins. So we had a fun time on that podcast. And uh, I know Jeannie thought they were going to wipe uh, you out because they were teaming up, I think. Uh-huh. Yes, they were. <laughs> <laughs> Those cousins. <laughs> I know. But you came out on top. Oh, I know they're I laughing did. with us. So, <laughs> Well, if we have created suspense, our listeners can go and listen to this particular Furniture Feud segment, which was Season 2, Episode 28. Okay, back to Jeannie. Now, let's start off finding out where you are on the map. I am in a western suburb of Chicago. Okay, so do you guys go to Chicago often? When we, when we were younger, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's that mean? <laughs> Are you becoming dormant? <laughs> when we were younger and the possibilities were endless for the evening, yes. But um, not as much now, you know, not yeah. as much opportunity. But more, um, you know, different things. More like museums, the lake, more family type, you know, um, American Girl uh store that sort of thing <laughs> well i guess i should ask you know and i live in the country so and i have been to chicago but when you based on where you live and you want to go to chicago do you how do you get there like you don't drive do you drive your car into chicago uh yeah yeah, you can take the train. We, we have a train right uh, here in town that goes in. So it should take 25 minutes, but I mean, it could take two hours depending oh, okay. <laughs> on the time of day, if there's a game going on or some event yeah. um, or rush hour. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know that I, some people are thinking, why is he asking if they're taking their car? Of course you could take a car into Chicago, but I guess I was just <laughs> thinking it would be so congested and hard to find parking spots. You know, I don't know. When you live out in the cornfields, that seems overwhelming. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I kind of like driving in the city. It's like a rush. It's like, woo. Jeannie's <laughs> right. got her head hanging out the window, slinging her arms in the air. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's, into I don't parallel park. I do have to find a park garage but i do like driving in it it's just exciting when you're down there you know I, I just mentioned a few minutes ago that uh that i've been there uh, my cousin and her family live in downtown chicago and many years ago we traveled up there on the fourth of july and spent a couple nights with them and then we went to the i guess it was a park along michigan avenue mm -hmm. yeah listen to the chicago symphony play uh, patriotic music watching the amazing display i mean it was an amazing display of fireworks it was so much fun it was very memorable do you guys yes. get to go there periodically for the fourth uh, you know i've never been down there for the fourth ever um oh wow no yeah, you gotta um, go. there's a yeah yeah yeah, maybe we should. Yeah, there used to be um, the day before, I believe it's like called Venetian night where it's all over the water and there's a lot uh -huh. going on. But um, yeah, I've never been. 
Well, you know, I mean, it was a good while ago when we went. So it might have been, I mean, I don't know when they normally, you know, do. I don't know if they do the fireworks on the 4th or is it the day before or whatever. But it was just, I mean, the weather was great. It was, uh, it was really, really cool. Of course, now with the pandemic, it may be a while before you get to, you know, go to to see them again and see them the, in, a, in a normal environment, you know? Right, exactly. But we can see our town's fireworks from our house, from our yard. So it's kind of nice. We don't even have to go anywhere. We just put our own music on, have the dog outside with us and watch the fireworks. Well, that's right, because you're not getting out much anymore now that you're getting older, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to try to find oh. things to do locally. <laughs> yes. Excitement in the suburbs, always trying to find it. (laughs) (laughs) So is it like freezing cold there now? You know, um, it's getting really chilly. Today's a weird 60 degree day. It's normally like 40, 50 about this time of year. Uh Um, But yeah, the winter is and the cold weather is upon us. And I'm always a little crabby before I've like realized, okay, it's here. There's nothing you can do about it. Just move on. Yeah, I prep everything outside. So um, I have to, you know, suit up and a bunch of layers and I'm out there sanding and whatnot in the cold. And then, you know, I haul it inside because the paints and primer, you know, won't cure out in the cold. Right. But I leave the messy sanding for the outside and it's um, gets pretty cold <laughs> out there. Yeah, you just... You need to make sure you have like winter fees, you know, you, you all that extra work, you know, the price per piece maybe goes up a little bit higher. <laughs> That's a right. lot of work. It is. Wow. It is. Well, I can't believe you. I mean, this is just strange. You guys are in, you said the sixties today. Yes. It's a fluky kind of day. That's not the norm. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause it's, it's supposed to be upper fifties today. So it's actually warmer where you're at than it is here. Uh, but it is, it's sunshine. So that's, that's great. It's, uh, it's, it's still very, very nice. I just, I just hope it sort of uh, goes in slow motion where we don't go from like 50s, 60s to like 20s, you know, where it's just an abrupt change. Right. Does it get that cold where you're at? You know, it just really, it depends. Yes, it, it does. In fact, sometimes, and it's, it's not the norm. I would say most of the time the weather in the dead of winter is like uh, 40s. And, oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I was going to be like, no, that's cold. <laughs> um, I mean, it, and then, you know, sometimes, especially at night, if a cold, I mean, like if some, you know, if the jet stream changes and, the, and cold air, you know, from Canada, you know, sw- sweeps in or swoops in or whatever you say, and then it will dive down. I mean, there's been times where at night it'll get down to like five degrees, six degrees. I mean, now that's rare, but it does happen periodically in the wintertime. And I know... Last year, last winter, it, it just, we, it was, everybody was somewhat disappointed because we just didn't get, we didn't get much snow. And, and when you get snow in the south, it just doesn't last long. I mean, it comes down and it's beautiful and then it goes away in a few days typically. So, and that's the way I like it. I like to, to see this, the, the snowfall, it's peaceful. And then it's like, it's, it's out of here. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see. I don't even, I haven't even looked like at the almanac or anything to see what this winter is supposed to be like, but uh, it would be nice to get a few heavy snowfalls. Yeah. So what's your, like, how did you get into refinishing and like, how long have you been refinishing Jeannie? Well, like so many people, I started doing things for myself and then, um, there was just, you know, one time I had this piece that I, it was a very specific alcove, um, but then I found something else I liked way better. And I was like, oh, well, well, I'll just sell this. And it was kind of when the Facebook mom groups were just starting on Facebook. And then I was like, oh, ding, ding, ding. Like I can keep creating things because I, I love it. I need to have a project brewing, contemplating that I'm thinking about and I can keep creating things. And um, you know, not fill my house. <laughs> There's only so many pieces you can do for your, for yourself. And I just love it. I love working with my hands. I like getting dirty. I like feeling physically exhausted at the end of the day on those, you know, especially those prep days when you're sanding your life away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's something that feels really, really good about that. Yeah. It's, it's rewarding. And like you said, there, it is nice to, to work hard and then, I don't know, especially if there's some physical ailments or uh, aspects of it so that you can rest well at night. It does give you a, a better night's sleep. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so you, I mean, you really seem to have a lot of fun and thoroughly enjoy refinishing, at least from your pieces and conversations with you. Um, I mean, you, you, you enjoy it thoroughly, don't you? Oh, I do. Furniture refinishing is life. <laughs> like, I can't imagine. I'm just so lucky that I this life worked out the way it did to where I found something that I'm so in love with doing, you know? Yeah. Um, I think not everyone can say that. And I feel really, really lucky. Even I try to remind myself on those those tough times where things aren't maybe working out or, you know, something's extra dirty. So it requires like three cleanings, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I try to remember, <laughs> remember that, that I'm lucky. So I get to do this, you know, not I have to do this. You know, and, and listeners know this because we always ask these types of questions. It's fun to find out the backgrounds of refinishers. And it's amazing the number of people who started out in a totally different career and really just, they just didn't, they didn't like it or they got burnt out and then they found furniture refinishing. And just like you, they're like, oh, I can't imagine doing anything else. And it's so much fun. It's therapeutic. They get to express themselves creatively in their pieces and you know, it's just, it's just uh, a really good career. Now, were you all, I mean, have you always been known for being creative? I feel like I've always been creative. I've just had different mediums, you know, that I've transitioned yeah. from when I was younger, you know, back in those days when we were going down to the city, like makeup <laughs> was my cre- <laughs> makeup was my creative medium. Um, I really enjoyed that. And then um, always kind of just arts and crafts, like doing just little random projects. And then I really got into when we moved into our home, um, my garden. So kind of instead of a paintbrush, you're, you're, um, you know, decorating or, you know, you're doing different plants, different flowers, there's different yeah. textures, different, um, even different greens. It can be a very lime green that you're pairing with a blue green and, you know, that sort of thing. I, um, I still really love it, but they, furniture, finishing, gardening, both take a lot of time, but I have a lot of things that are a lot of perennials and very established now. So I kind of just, it's on autopilot, but I do slack in like the weeding department. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know what? Some weeds bloom, you know? So <laughs> it's okay. True, true. <laughs> but it, it's just annoying, though, when you know that it's a weed. I don't care if, it is, if it's even blooming. It's like, you know, you're not supposed to be there, so you've got to come out. <laughs> it just bothers you, you know? Yes, and it's especially in the more formal areas of my yard where it's more um, uniform, where it's not just yeah. kind of like a cottage look. Like there's some parts yeah. that are that just looks free flowing, but then there's one area, there's some areas that are more uniform where it's very like rosebush, catnip, rosebush. And then it's like weed. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> you shouldn't be there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I saw, I think you posted a picture of your house and it's really pretty. It's a cottage style, I think. And you had a lot of cottagey flowers and stuff in front of it. So you, you probably get a lot of inspiration from the gardening, you know, in colors. You probably It probably goes back and forth, you know, inspiration into gardening and inspiration from gardening into refinishing, vice versa, you know. Oh, completely. And then also when I'm painting a piece, you know, when my, my yard is in bloom during, you know, the spring and the summer and, you know, into early fall, I th- I'm as I'm painting, I'm thinking about, oh, which flowers should I cut to put with these, uh, put with this when I stage it. <laughs> yeah. 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 You've got it all right there. You're, you're, yeah. uh, you're doing well. <laughs> so what's your favorite part of refinishing? Oh gosh. I think the, maybe the, be- the very beginning where the, the hunting something down, finding something like, hmm, contemplating what's it, what could it be? Um, mm-hmm. what direction should I go? Um, I love that part or going, you know, into a thrift store and just like, who knows what you'll find. Sometimes it's, you know, you find zero. Sometimes you find a bunch of pieces and you load up the minivan and (laughs) haul it all home. You just, (laughs) I like the, the, the possibilities, you know, of what could be. I think that's fun. How quickly do you know what you're going to do with a piece when you first see it? Oh gosh. Sometimes I have no hard and fast, um, rule for that. Sometimes it's uh-huh. instantly I know what I'm going to do. Sometimes the plan changes 10 times <laughs> of what I think I'm going to do. I'm really kind of loosey-goosey with the ask. plans. 
Now, wait a minute. I have to ask, when you say it changes, does that mean you've already started? So you got to kind of go back and take it off and start over? Or is it in your mind? No, I typically don't do that. It's more so in my mind of what <laughs> okay, I could do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think, I'm trying to, th I very rarely have completely like switched gears, I think. Yeah. Because I feel like I, I, I hate waste, drives me crazy. So I'll figure out a way to, if I've already done something, but I want to alter it, to use what I've already done to it, if that may, <laughs> makes sense, yeah. and no, change it, no, that, that change does. a little bit. <laughs> so, so usually once you've started refinishing, you're on a track and you're, you're heading down that track. You're not doing any 180s or anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, I got to ask you, you know, if, what's your favorite part? Well, what is there any part of refinishing that you dread that you're like, oh, I know I got to get through this to get to that? Oh, of course, the cleaning and the sanding. <laughs> I mean, there is you something very, <laughs> <laughs> there is something oddly satisfying about it, though. It's like once when you start, um, you know, cleaning or you, when you start, um, also then when you start sanding, it's like, oh, and you're like looking down, like you start at one corner and you're looking at the rest of the piece. You're like, oh man. But then as you get like towards the end, you're like, oh, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's yeah. almost time for the fun to begin, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, you just got to hang on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. You got to, you got to hang on and be, and have a lot of energy for that day. <laughs> you know, yes. Cause that's a lot of work. It is. Wow. It really is. Yeah. So what's your favorite style of furniture? Oh gosh. I don't know. I like it all. <laughs> and you know, anything <laughs> with, anything with interesting lines, like it could be very mm -hmm. clean and sleek and modern, or it could be very, um, you know, ornate and curvy and carved, just anything, anything really. Do you feel like the pieces you produce represent your home? Oh gosh. Um, anything that I've done, I would hundred percent have in my house somewhere. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered my home is going through a huge transition right now. So I, we, I think I've, it's been months because we're doing a lot of it on our own. When I say we, mm -hmm. I mean me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we, we took out a load bearing wall between our front room and our kitchen and then completely gutted the um, kitchen. The only thing that stayed was the fridge, which was relatively new. It's been a huge undertaking. So I don't even know. Maybe I'll have like a whole different kind of style now that, you know, because before we moved in, I just kind of worked with what I had sort of thing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But now we're really making it um, our own, I think. Well, that's a big deal to remove a load-bearing wall. You had to go back in and make sure that everything was supported and structurally sound. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That is like one of the few things that we did hire out. I, I'm, I, yeah. I love to DIY, but I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm not DIYing <laughs> the structure of my house. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I know a lot of times, you know, you, you know, when somebody's remodeling or you're just doing some changes and you think about taking down, I mean, obviously that's the first question. Is it a load-bearing wall? And I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'm sure a lot of people, when they find out it is a load bearing wall, they're like, okay, change course. We won't take that wall down. We'll find another wall to take down, you know, because it's a lot oh, of work. It is. And we've been, we've been in our house, gosh, I think it'll be almost 10 years. And we've been going back and forth for the past 10 years of should we, shouldn't we, should we? Because it's <laughs> just such a huge undertaking. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm glad that we finally did it. I really, I can't even quite believe it. Yeah, it's it's so worth it. I mean, and it's it's fun to have new things and to, you know, bring um, you know new ideas into your home. Yeah, I mean that's where we spend most of our time. So to have that, um, you know, even if it does take time, because <laughs> yeah. we've done the same thing. We we uh, had to remove the wall between the kitchen and dining room uh, several years ago. It wasn't a load bearing wall, although. I've mentioned this before in the podcast, my dad's a contractor, so that certainly oh, helped. I would love that. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah, he I think he tires of it sometimes. And I'm like, hey, what do you think about doing this? <laughs> you know. But uh it's a huge blessing. Uh but yeah, we we took that wall down and then, you know, it was a it was sort of a slow process. I mean, it was like in increments where we took the wall down, got everything looking good, but then we're like, okay, now we need to we need new cabinets. So then we got new cabinets, new countertops. And now we're like, this is a bit in reverse, but now we're like, we've got to replace the floor. 
which is, you know, you really uh, should replace the floor first. <laughs> but yeah. it, what happened was it was, you know, the, the section in the dining room was uh, old yellow pine uh, flooring. And we didn't want to take that up when we first uh, bought the house and remodeled it many years ago. But it was old. And so now it's it's deteriorated. So now we're having to replace it. So it is sort of a timing thing. But it's it's still... It's still fun and exciting to, to have those changes made. But if we just get the floor done, we will have this thing sealed and done, completed. <laughs> yeah, that's maybe the it'll lie be time that, to start over. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, that's the lie that every homeowner tells themselves, right? Just this right, last exactly. project, then I'll be done. And then, no, 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 you always think of another project. My grandpa always said, know, when you have exactly. a house, there's always something to do. <laughs> you know what? A- that's exactly right. Yep. I know because what was new 20 years ago is now old. <laughs> so you've got yeah. to replace it potentially. Well, getting back to furniture finishing, what what type of paint do you enjoy using the most? Like if somebody said, Jeannie, pick a pick a type quickly, you know, and you could choose, what would you what would you snag? Oh man, I really do like them all. And they're I like them all for different reasons. But like I do if I think about it, my if I have just have my way with a piece, do whatever I want, I usually tend to lean for like a milk paint or a chalk paint, something I do something blendy and fun and artistic on. So probably one of those two. But I mean, there is something, just the milk paint is so fun. And also, like, I like the, some people, like, the don't like the control, that they don't have control over milk paint. And I love mm-hmm. giving up the control. I'm like, it's going to do whatever it's going to, maybe it'll crackle, maybe it'll chip, maybe, you know, like, I like just, yeah. whatever happens, happens. Roll the dice. That's a lot of the fun, isn't it? Just kind of watching it work. It's like an experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of uh, top coats are you drawn to? Are you more of uh, like a poly? Do you use waxes? Combine them both? I usually go with a, a water-based poly. Um, mm-hmm. Depending on the piece, if I think it's going to be a lower use type of piece, I will use a wax. But since I sell, it's I kind of like, oh, I get nervous about like, you know, that the wax won't be enough or, you know, strong enough for the, um, you know, for the duration of they'll they'll have the piece. Well, waxing, I mean, that's a lot of work too, right? I mean, it takes work to, um, to get the, you know, to get the wax on properly. I mean, yes, it's like six and one half a dozen the other. The waxing, it's a lot, it's a one shot deal though. Like it is a lot of work to get it in, to buff it out, but you do it once and you're done. Now, when you Mm -hmm. do the top coat, you have to do, it's a lot less labor intensive, but it takes more time and more finesse to apply and you have to do three coats sand in between each coat you, you know so and it, it's, it takes a little bit more finesse where the wax you just you put it on the top coat you have to make sure it's smooth and silky and even yeah. so it's you know they mm. both have their good points and, and not yeah. so good points <laughs> well you articulated that well so that was that was good well, we're going to combine our discussion of a few of your pieces with the topic of using the right type of paint for the specific finish that you're after. We'll develop this topic as we talk. Listeners, please note that all of these pieces we're discussing are featured on the zebrablog.com under the November Featured Artist. So you can check out the pieces as we discuss them, uh, or you can actually go to the YouTube channel Enjoy Zebra and uh, watch it there as well. Well, before we dive into these pieces, Jeannie, I want to ask you a few questions about achieving specific finishes on your furniture pieces. Um, and, and just for clarity's sake, for our listeners, maybe we've got some you know newbies, uh, you know, that are just like really newbies starting out. And so, define for us what you mean when you talk about a finish. Is that also the same as a technique to achieve a specific look? Um. Yes. Yeah. Just the overall how it looks when it's finished. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. When you are, you know, sort of in your creative brainstorming process and you're thinking about what should I do with this piece? And then the light, you know, the the light bulb comes on and you're like, now I know what to do with it. But maybe it's not just a very solid, simple, you know, finish. And it's maybe more complex. Do you experiment on scrap wood before you tackle the project or do you just go for it? Mm, I'm kind of a wing it type of gal. <laughs> so, but the only thing I will kind of experiment with, um, 
if I'm doing like a blendy and artistic finish with multiple colors or like a kind of a technique that was texture that I'm trying out, I will do um, the back of the piece first. I end up doing most, I'd say like 99% of the backs of my pieces. And that's mm -hmm. where I'll start out with my idea of what I'm, you know, what I think I'm going to do to try it out and then, you know, work my way around to the front if I like what I'm seeing. Wow, that's another great idea too. Uh, well, yeah, and, back. yeah, and some people think it's a waste because oh, it's typically against the wall. But I have had people ask like, oh, is the back finished too? Because they want to float it in a room, or maybe mm -hmm. it's behind a sofa and just like a few inches is showing. But you know, they want to have that back. Um, I don't. It doesn't. It takes slightly more work, and yes, you're using more product. But I just. I think it just looks so nice when it's all done. And then it does give you that room for experimentation before you, you know, start on the big show, the front part <laughs> of it. So, <Yeah. laughs> right. We're going to take a quick break. Listeners, stay tuned as we continue our conversation with Jeannie when we return. We encourage you to make sure you sign up to receive our newsletter on our new EnjoyZebra.com website. We're running a series of Black Friday specials. Well, actually, we are introducing them on Thursday, so it's really Black Thursday specials. And we have ongoing specials listed that will be available until we run out of inventory. These are incredible deals, and each week it's a new deal for a limited time with limited quantities. Just to give you a sneak peek, we have holiday paintbrush kits that include a canvas bag with a great holiday graphic and holiday slogan printed on them. And by the way, have you heard of our packaging tool, the Open It? This is a mainstay for us as we have had it for a number of years and we just recently redesigned it. It opens all of those difficult open packages easily and safely. Plus, it's a great kitchen drawer tool. It's a must have. We have a special right now that includes a three pack of the Open It in a strong vinyl pouch that has the slogan, Holiday Cheer Gift Opening Gear. Make sure you check out these great items and stay tuned as we unveil a new deal each week. Well, anyone who scrolls through your feed, Jeannie, will see that you try a lot of different types of finishes and you do them all very well. So as we continue to discuss this topic, let's go ahead and dive into the specific pieces that we're going to chat about today. The first piece we'll discuss is a dresser that has a blue jean sort of look to it in color and in finish. And so speaking of finish, tell us how you achieve this look and also where you came up with this idea. So this one I used, the one with that it has the milk paint on, or I'm sorry, not the milk paint, uh, the milk glass on top. Is that right? Yes. Uh -huh, yes. Exactly. Okay. Because there's two blue feet. Um, yeah. So that one I used Miss Mustard Seeds milk paint and Artismo. And this was just one of those times where I'm like, I'm going to do something with milk paint. I don't really know what yet. But, um, <laughs> I mixed, I, these are several different layers of milk paint and varying degrees of dilution with the water. So typically it's a one-to-one -one ratio of the powder to water that you mix it up with. But then I, I did that. And then I did where there was other coats with much more water in. So it was a little bit more, um, see-through not as opaque mm -hmm. and i did mm -hmm. i my one of my favorite kind of tricks or methods for getting that kind of old texture is crosshatch painting so going all in one direction for one coat and then doing the opposite so you're creating the crosshatch direction of like the second or third or fourth coat of paint so then it gives you a little bit more interest a little bit more something going on i think in the finish so when you got this piece what kind of shape was it in it was in very decent shape. I kind of felt a little guilty <laughs> for all those <laughs> purists out there that just love wood furniture. It seemed to have been refinished sometime. Like it wasn't the original finish. Someone had refinished it and refinished it pretty nicely, but it was worn, you know, not, not brand new, but, um, so it was in really good shape. Um, but I just had a vision for this, uh, blue to use it. So you said you used several layers. So um, so you cleaned it up really well. Did you scuff sand it? Yes, I did. Okay, so you did that. And then what was like the first, because I was trying, I'm not looking at it before. You may have one on there, but I didn't uh, didn't grab that. But what was, was it a light, was it a darker stained piece? It was, yes. It was like a very neutral dark brown. Because some of that's still showing through, which is, uh, what makes it really cool. You can still see some of that. 
Yes, yes. So you scuff sanded it, and then what did you lay down? Did you lay down, was it... Um, was it a dark blue or is that just the 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 original stain shining through that I'm oh, seeing? Oh, I see. Yes. So that's um it's it's all one color. It's artismo is the color and it's dark blue and it was a a full it was a one to one ratio of the milk paint and the water and then it chipped very heavily. And then mm-hmm. that's when I went in with the, after that chipped and I took a razor and helped it along, then I started layering on the um, less opaque layers of that paint. Okay, gotcha. To you. where you're okay. seeing, like you're seeing it come, you, the very dark blue that you're seeing is actually uh-huh. um, a very thin layer of the blue over the wood. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. No, it does. And I, and that's that's cool to know that, uh, especially for our listeners, if they want to try to achieve this look, because it's, it's such an incredible look. I mean, it is very unique and it's just, it's just quite beautiful. And so to it, and, and I, I assume when you're doing something, especially when you got to the third layer, what is that like? I mean, are you like, I mean, obviously you're up close on it. Are you like stepping away from it, going back? I mean, how does that, What's that process like? Oh, I, again, just winging it. <laughs> just, I'm like, <laughs> when it feels right, it feels right. I'm like, okay, this, my work here is done. It just felt like it was like, okay, I like this now. And I don't want to, you know, mess around with anything else. It's time to put down the brush <laughs> and, and tap coat. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really neat. Now, what was the level of difficulty on this piece? On let's let's, let's rate it from a scale of a, of one to ten, ten being the most difficult. How would you rate this particular piece? Oh, super easy, like a like a two or three. Really? Yeah, I think anyone could really do this finish. It's not really me. It's doing anything, you know, not having a ton of talent or anything by getting this finish. It's letting the milk paint do its thing. Just letting it chip where it chips and slapping on some paint. And also, too, this is not a very clean, precise finish. You're just throwing on the paint, and the more texture, the better. So yeah. it's very, um, I think, beginner-friendly and user-friendly. If this is, like, if you're new to painting furniture, this would be a very easy finish to achieve that you don't need to have, you know, years of experience. So you're not standing on your head while you're painting to, to get this look. Nothing unique like that. <laughs> No, no, it's just a matter of knowing how the product works. I mean, I guess that would be the only experience is having faith in, okay, I know what's going to happen if I use less water or more water when I'm mixing up the milk paint. No, it's just letting milk paint do its thing. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be so interesting to, um, it'd be rather humiliating for me, but I was going to say, if we had a time lapse of you painting this and then you had a time lapse of me trying to paint this... (laughs) It would be, I think people would be like, what is he doing? Why is he going through that process? No, it, no. I don't know. It just, it's just because of the look and the, and the, um, the way it turned out, it just looks like there would be a lot involved in it, but it's just, it's really neat now. Well, I think this is what, where like choosing the right paint for the finisher after this works into that. Like if I were using like a very, like an acrylic base, like a very solid single coat type of smooth finish paint, I would have to work very, very hard and a lot of sanding and a lot of distressing to get this type of look. So choosing when I knew I wanted this very chippy worn look, reaching for milk paint to achieve this, just it's very easy when you choose, you know, the right paint for the look that you're after. Yeah, and I think what you said is key with this particular piece is the dilution of the milk paint and knowing, again, that there's the rule, the one-to-one ratio, but you can go beyond that, right? It's just experimenting with it, stepping outside of the sort of the the uh, the bounds of even what you do typically with milk paint and making it more transparent and just playing around with it. And that's what you did on this piece and, and uh, really turned out nice. Thank you. You um, really sealed it well with the hardware too i mean that's that's great great choice there oh i love a white porcelain knob they're just i don't know there's something about them isn't there (laughs) it just makes it very striking you know and it it just allows good contrast to uh to to be had between the piece itself and the hardware and that's what really makes it nice as well thank you so is this in your home did you sell it what happened to it (sighs) 
No, I sold this one was for sale. I sold this, but actually a very good friend of mine bought it. So I can still see it whenever I would like. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. That's cool. Yeah. Well, this next piece is really unique as well. Uh, it is the dipped furniture look. Uh, is this a dresser or a sideboard? This is, I guess you could... I mean, it's, I guess technically it's like a sideboard or a buffet, but someone, I could totally mm -hmm. see someone using this as like a baby changing station as like a dresser. But this piece actually I did for my sister-in-law. I was, I, I was over at her, they have a very big TV and they just had this little teeny tiny, like it was very short, like coffee table height and way skinnier than the TV was. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, do you like that piece that your TV's on? She's like, I never thought about it. I'm like, I'm just going to do a piece for in here. And she's like, okay. Like she does, she's like, whatever. And she's so sweet. So I just wanted to whip, whip something up for her. She's the best uh, sister-in-law ever. So <laughs> I bet she was blown away with this. Yeah, she really, really loved it. So that was, I was really happy. Describe it for our listeners, like, uh, you know, for those that may be driving or refinishing and they're like, what are they talking about? What does this piece look like? If you would just, just give some details about it. Oh, okay. Well, it's, um, it's all oak and I taped off the, the top of it and the first set of drawers going across the width of the piece are all stained. And then I taped off just under those drawers um, and painted everything white. So that's where the dipped look comes in. Like if you just had this big crane and you dipped it in a vat of paint and took it out, <laughs> that's the look that you would come up with. I think that's probably what you did, Jeannie. <laughs> <laughs> You're on to me, my crane dipping. <laughs> I know. Yep. <laughs> you, you got a crane in your backyard, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, this was pretty quick then to do this job? No, no, not at all. <laughs> See, I am so it, messed up. Here I thought the first one was like, you know, really complex. And I'm thinking, well, maybe this one's a little bit easier, but I guess well, I got that wrong. I mean, nothing is too hard. It's just a lot of... um timing and waiting and waiting between steps, waiting the proper amount of time. Um, so for this one, when I found it, it was almost like a neon orange stain of oak, which I'm sure we've all mm. seen that kind of yeah. oak stained look. And it's just not so cute anymore. Um, so I had to completely strip since I wanted to stain the top portion that all needed to be completely stripped of any stain or um, old finish that was on it so that's you know a task in itself like fully stripping something as opposed to just prep sanding it are two you know completely different mm -hmm. things and then what was the next there was a lot of different steps with this then I stained stained the um the brown part waited 72 mm -hmm. hours and then taped it off because I wanted to make sure the stain was fully dry. And I did use the yellow frog tape for delicate surfaces. I taped off where I wanted the line to be. And then um, a little trick or tip about when you're painting a new, like when you want your, your paint line to be perfect and no bleed through, I put a coat of sh clear shellac down first over the tape line and then proceeded to put the shellac all the way down since I was painting something white. But that way, if anything bleeds through a little bit, it's just that clear shellac, which you won't notice on the brown stained piece on the top part. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. That's a, that's a great idea. So then I did, um, after that clear coat of shellac, then I did the white bin shellac and then painted it in, um, a few layers of cashmere, heavily distressed. Um, you can't really tell from the picture, but I distressed it. And I, there is a lot of texture. Um, I used the chalk paint specifically for texture, and I knew I wanted to distress it, so that was going to make my life easier. And then once it was all done, I top-coated everything with a water-based poly all at the mm -hmm. same time. The, the entire piece. The entire piece. And then the only caveat with using water-based poly over an oil-based stain is waiting 72 hours. So, and that by the time I was done with all the painting and that, it had been 72 hours. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's another good tip. Like what we see in the front, did you do the back on this one as well? Mm-hmm. Oh, so she can float this piece anywhere then. 
She can if she wants to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and this one I also added new um, hardware, oak hardware, to, so it would match the grain of, you know, the oak wood that the piece was made of. But it had some kind of just dated, not, nothing too exciting metal hardware on it. So. Well, you did a good job with that. I would have thought that was the, the handles of the hardware that came with it. Well, thank you. That was what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you got spot on on that. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Well, I kind of asked this question, but I still want to find out the scale. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate this piece? Um, uh, I'm not good at rating things, Lane. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jeannie. Um, No, I will. I will. I'm just, um, let me think. Maybe like a five or a six. It really, I mean, it really wasn't that hard. There was just a lot of steps and then just a lot of small things of knowing um, the order in which to do the steps and the timing of everything. But um, I mean, that's something that you can easily research, you know, and, and find yeah. out about. So I don't think that's too hard. So, so really, I'm, what I'm what I'm getting out of these ratings uh, <laughs> is that your rating, at least for you, is based on kind of a time thing. If it's something that you can get in there and kind of whip it out fairly quickly, then it's it's easier. I mean, you're rating it as an easier piece. It's the 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 amount of waiting and steps and processes that you go through. Yeah, I'd say so because I, you know, it's hard. And that's why it's hard for me to rate it because I find it so enjoyable. So it's hard to say, like, I, I, I had a good time while I was doing this. So like that to me takes like shaves a few points off the hard, you know, make it hard to what it makes yeah. you like a difficult finish. Um, but yeah, the timing thing, since I sell, you know, well, this I didn't sell. I just, I gave, gave it to her, but um I don't, yeah, the timing for sure you have to keep in mind if you're spending a lot of time on a piece and then by the time you go to sell it, it's like, well, you could have had two or three pieces done in that time. It doesn't really make sense, you know, financially be working on these pieces that take a lot of time and you can only, you know, ask so much for them. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point because that is a challenge, you know, when it comes to refinishing, you know, because some pieces that you see are just very intricate. And I'm sure it took a lot, of, a lot of work, a lot of time on behalf of the artist. And, you know, the question in the end is they, you know, they enjoyed it and it turned out great, but were they able to make a profit off of it based on the amount of time that they spent, materials used, and then what they were able to charge for it? And so that's, that's, it's a business that you always got to think about those things. Right. Because just because you've spent three times the amount of time you normally would, <clears throat> you can try to charge more for that to, you know, accommodate your time, but something is only worth what someone's willing to pay. So if it kind of makes it, if a very long, tedious finish kind of pushes it out of the ballpark of what someone would pay for it, then it's like, mm, maybe I shouldn't do this for, you know, this yeah. type of finish. Unless it gives you great joy and you don't care, then, you know, go for it. But if you want to keep your, yeah. you know, eye on the prize of the, of your, your, your income, then that's something to consider. Yeah. Well, the next piece is a piece that you made into two pieces and you say that it's your favorite. And so did you buy this piece? Was it given to you? Was this for a client? Tell, tell us a little bit about this piece. Oh, I came across this piece. It's, it's a buffet or credenza. And then it had a hutch top, a matching hutch top that goes on top of it. And I came across it at the thrift and I was like, oh, should I, shouldn't I? And I texted Emily, one of the, also one of the furniture art collective, you know, judges um, from 1379 mm -hmm. Design. And I said, do I get this? Do I not choose? Are you crazy? <laughs> you better get that. And it was only $20. So I don't oh know why goodness, I was are you like. Serious? Yeah, but sometimes, well, that's, I think, I was thinking about it was intricate and there was a lot of work that was going to go into it. So even though it was only $20, I was thinking, okay, is this going to be worth it for me for the amount of time that it, you know, that it would take to do this sort of thing? Um, but I bought it because she told me to. <laughs> <laughs> Why was it so cheap? 
I, you know, who knows? Who depends on the way the wind is blowing when they're pricing it. Um, the thrift sometimes. Sometimes I, I look at something. I'm like, what? It's like eighty dollars for nothing special, like particle board. And then yeah. sometimes it's twenty dollars for this beautiful mahogany buffet. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know who's pricing. Well, I, I was wondering if there was some like structural damage to it, you know, where it really dropped. It made the price, the value on it, much lower than what what it you would perceive it to be just by looking at it. Yeah, I know. I don't. I think sometimes if they have a lot of furniture, it seems like they're um, they price things lower, maybe to move it. I don't know, or maybe it's one of those things. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and they look at it at it and thought, Ooh, old data, yeah. you know, who would want this <laughs> sort of thing, you know, but meanwhile, that $80 Ikea dresser is over there and it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Now, do you, are you ever, when you're out shopping like that and you see a piece that's big, I mean, this is not something you just pick up and stick in the back of your trunk. Do, are you ever sort of discouraged from getting it because you're like, oh, but I don't, I mean, I gotta, how am I going to get this back to the studio? How am I going to get this back to my garage? Oh no, I, I throw everything in the van. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a problem for you. Yeah, not, I have a minivan and the seats all roll down into each other. Um, and I'm short, so I can drive pretty far up if I push my seat all, <laughs> all the way up. I'm, I'm comfortable to drive like that. I can well, fit. You got face playing up against the window here, Jeannie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fit a lot of big things. I have a Instagram highlight of me unloading like I had oh, a bunch of pieces in the van um, so that's I've not found anything yet where I can't fit it in but mm-hmm. this one I think I took uh, we threw the, the the credenza part on the bottom and then the hutch top we put in the top over it with a blanket in between and it all fit in I could have fit some more stuff that day too if I really wanted to a few small pieces <laughs> So you, so you've got this this piece that's in two pieces, and I s- assume they went to different customers. Yes, yes, they did. Well, the first the first part I worked on was the the lower half, and mm-hmm. it had this really neat um, the top drawer. I th- I believe it's called a butler's pantry mm-hmm. or a butler's buffet. I, I, mm-hmm. I I'm not sure. I can't remember. But it it looks like a drawer, but. And you pull it out, but then it flaps down like a secretary desk. And then there are all these little slots in there and um, two little doors in the middle. And it had it did have um, a key, but I, it did not come with a key. So I went to uh, House of Antique Hardware and ordered a ring of reproduction antique keys, which have come in handy. Mm-hmm. There's the other ones for other pieces, but I found a key that fit this one. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know where it's going. <laughs> No, it's it's cool. I didn't I didn't even know you could do that. That's that's neat. Uh, you know, you listed this piece as your favorite, and I assume you're talking about the the base, the bottom portion, because there's it's you, what you did to the top was it, you painted it white, and it looks like you put legs on it or little short legs, uh, and so it's 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 very unique. It's pretty. Uh, it, it's but it's a different look than the bottom, and the bottom is. Would you call it's like a blue, correct? Yes, yeah, it's a blue. I don't know. I always seem to end up coming with a lot of people say these denim finishes or blue looks like blue jeans, and I always think I'm like, oh, I'm doing something <laughs> totally different. And they're like, it looks like blue jeans. I'm like, oh, well, blue jeans are cool, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So for the for the top part, I added um, bun feet, um, and then I it had no shelves in the interior when I found it. So I had gotten poplar shelves cut to size at my local um, lumber yard. And then I got a custom, they do glue up tops and whatever size you need, they can do it. So I had them glue that up for me. And um, I just, you know, adhered it then to, to the top. Now explain that glue up top. So you had them cut a top to fit because uh, it overhangs a little bit. Uh, is it is it a piece of molding and a top piece? Oh, no. Oh, no. It's just, um, so it's, if you can envision planks of wood, say one by, you know, four or, or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I think for this particular one, it was one solid piece and there was a little middle part that stuck out. So they do a glue up where they glue the two pieces of wood, you know, side by side together uh-huh. to make it a plank top. 
it's all one piece and it's they mm -hmm. um cut biscuits and then glue it together okay yeah does that make sense i hope i'm explaining yeah. that <laughs> no no you did i just i just wanted yeah. to clarify that uh, uh for yeah. not just the listeners but for myself as well i was it's something that someone could do themselves and i've seen it done i just I don't do it myself. I should one of these times for as much as I end up utilizing these plank, these glued up tops um, from this lumber yard, I should learn how to do it myself, but I just um, don't. And I just pay them to do it. And it's nice and it's perfect. And it's one of those things of time and money, like for the amount that it costs me to have them do it, it's saving me a ton of time. So yeah. I think it's worth it because for the bottom part, I got an, a white, I used white oak for the top and had another glued uh -huh. up top made from them for that. Well, you, you know, you know what your um, productivity, productivity level is and what you need to be working on. And sometimes it doesn't make sense for you to do everything. If you have access to somebody who can do it for you. Well, I, the one thing I was thinking of was like a Craig, a Craig's jig, you know, where you can, um, it drills the holes, you flip it upside down, you put the planks together and you clamp it. And then it drills those holes underneath, like pocket holes. And then uh, you can also glue it and then drill the holes. So there's, you know, there's a process involved, but it does take some time to do that. So that's neat that you have a Yes. Source. And I have a Craig jig in its box, in its original box, not opened. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's one of those things where I know it's going to make me cuckoo and take way too long. So I would just rather have someone else do it and it's a local it's not a big box store it's a local lumber yard so you know it's good yeah that's nice no well it's it's also it's a good way to network too i mean they know what you're doing and uh i'm sure they they tell folks if you know about this furniture finisher who's pumping out some really beautiful work and so that's that's <laughs> neat works for both, both parties involved yeah <laughs> So tell us about the the look, the finish that you achieved, the way you described the first one we talked about, and I called it sort of a blue jean look too. And you used milk paint and three layers. What what was involved in achieving this look? Because, you know, listeners, you're definitely gonna have to go out and look if you're not, because you know, these aren't just solid pieces. They're pieces that, that are unique. Um, and even if Jeannie went out to replicate it, she could, but it still would be different, right? I mean that's that's the way oh, these things work yeah i can't replicate my own work when it comes to these artistic finishes i've had people that have asked for something and i i do you know tell them that you know it's just with these artistic finishes it's i can get the vibe of the other one i can use the same colors but it just i'm i'm a different person from last year when i did that piece i can't <laughs> i can't do it yeah, again right yeah <laughs> So, so you clean this down. Did you scuff sand it? Tell us what went on and how you achieved this look. This one was, um, yeah, cleaned. And then I sanded it down. And then this one did need some Bondo work on some pieces, which is my favorite filler to use. And then it was primed with clear shellac because I, I knew I wanted to have some of the wood um, coming through. So, you know, if this was more of like a solid piece and it was, I was doing this light blue, I might've reached for a primer that was gray or white. Um, mm -hmm. But since I wanted the wood to show through, I went with clear. And then this was, you. I used a frottage technique, um, mm. which is you, okay, so the base was painted in Annie Sloan's Ubsen Blue, which is like a dark to mid-tone um, kind of teal blue color. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, you take to do the frottage technique, so you have that single color finish. You take watered down chalk paint, which I used Louis Blue in this case, which is like a light baby blue, and you paint that on just, you know, every which way, as Annie says. And then you take um, either paper towel or newspaper, and you almost like it's a reverse sponge paint. So you're mm -hmm. instead of with a sponge paint, you're putting the paint on the surface, right? So now with this, you're taking it off it's absorbing that watered down paint that you've put on. So you've just painted it. It's still wet. You're taking a paper towel or sponge and, and sort of lifting up some of that excess. Right. So I'm lifting up that lighter Louis blue to reveal some of that obsin, obsin blue that's darker uh -huh. that's underneath. Wow. 
Uh, and so do you do that more than once? Is that just, uh, so you lay down the base, then you put that down and then you lift it back up with this technique? Yes, this is something I just kind of keep going round robin until I like, like I work, I start on one side and keep working my way around the whole piece. Um, and then I step back and kind of see where I'm like, okay, we need a little something there or over here. Um, and with these sort of artistic blendy finishes like this, I like to have the, the if there's drawers that can be taken out, I like to leave them in so it's cohesive. Mm -hmm. Um, so it looks good because if I were to have the drawers out, it would kind of, they wouldn't, it wouldn't meet up and it might be a little bit different here or there. And you did the same thing with the hardware too, correct? Yes, I did. I took off, um, the hardware so I could thoroughly clean it and then I primed it. But then I did, the only part I did with, you know, how you have the drawers in, drawers out, um, I did the hardware on its own because I I don't know. I just, I didn't want to have them in. I didn't, if they ever, for some reason, took the hardware off and there was that plain wood behind it. I just, I didn't like the idea of that. So, and also I yeah. wanted the hardware to stand out a little bit. So I was okay with if it was slightly varying than how the wood, you know, the piece was looking itself, if that makes sense. No, it doesn't. In fact, if you look at the right side, all the way to the right side, the hardware at the top drawer is is like what you're talking about because the background is a little bit lighter but then the hardware at least from the photograph the hardware looks a little bit darker so it's it's kind of a neat balance everything blends in really well but that one piece of hardware uh, stands out just like on the left one there's a section where the left side of the hardware stands out a little bit too so yeah exactly the only hardware i didn't take out was the um for the pull down that secretary drawer mm -hmm. because to remove the hardware i would have had to remove the leather that was inside and it was really intact and super you know, down really nice, like adhered really well still. So I'm like, I am not going to mess with that. I will leave that there because what <laughs> if I can't get it down and, and glued in just as nice as how I found it? So I thought, okay, for those we'll do, we'll leave them in. But all the other ones I, I took out. <laughs> when you're painting a piece like this and you're not removing the drawers, uh, so how do you keep, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this question. So how do you keep paint from like going underneath the drawer and sticking, you know what I'm saying? Once it's dry, yes. so you've like, how does that work? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I actually have um, a couple of videos where I show this on my Facebook, where I've done lives, okay. where I show this exact question if someone wants a visual. But I paint it all in, and then as soon as I'm done painting for that layer of paint or that, you know, session of painting, I take them out right away and I wipe down, especially if I have my little water bottle spritzer and I'm spraying, uh, like mm -hmm. water can pool and paint can pool um, on the tracks and on the underneath of the drawer. So I pull them out right away when I'm all done very carefully, very gingerly and <laughs> wipe everything down. Um, and then two, like I have, so I paint without knobs in and pulls in so you'll have the little holes and I just take screwdriver two screwdrivers one in each hand and put them in the holes and then if you slightly tip the screwdriver back towards you a little bit and then pull it out mm -hmm. it's enough to pull out the drawer without touching what you just painted on it it just is touching within the the hole of the for the hardware right and you're just full of all kinds of great tips <laughs> well thanks <laughs> Yeah, that, no, that's that's a really cool idea. Now, what about, uh, it, it, it's, it's not a shiny finish, it's a matte finish. Did you wax this or did you just put a matte finish poly on it? For this one, I did use <clears throat> a wax for it because mm -hmm. it was for the body of it. And I thought, oh, it's this isn't like um, a huge use type piece, you know, like a wear and tear, like a, a child's dresser or, you know, desk or something like that. So I did use, uh, I believe, did I use a clear wax or a white wax for this one? I don't know, but wax was involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either way, wax, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's that dreaded question, scale of one to ten. Ooh. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> this is so hard. Um, I need to be playing maybe... the Jeopardy music. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it wasn't hard. I know you want a fast answer. I'm feeling pressure. I'm starting to sweat. Um, maybe no, like no a five answer. or so. If I had to do the, the glued up top for it myself, I'd put it at like a, a 27. <laughs> of a oh, okay. <laughs> of a I see one why you're not scale. doing the gl- <laughs> That's very wise that you're having that outsourced. <laughs> yeah, that's why I feel like you need to know your strengths and your weaknesses. That is not one of mine. I don't, it could be, but for right now, I know, I know it's not. So, you know, hiring that out mm-hmm. made my life very easy. So yeah, not, not that hard, I don't think. See, these playful, that's why I love doing these fun finishes. They're not hard. It's just playing with paint which i think is very fun so it's i don't consider that taking a lot of um i don't know effort or making it my life hard while i'm i'm doing it i think it's it's fun no pressure you know i mean it sounds like because you said there were two correct me if i'm wrong but two steps involved and you laid down the base coat and then you laid down the second coat and then you dabbed it up so that i mean that all can be done in one day right Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not hard. It's not labor intensive. It's just I look at it. It's, it's just plain. So why, why was this one your favorite? Um, I think because I like variety and this being one piece when I found it and then turning it into two pieces was really fun. Also, this was the first time I ever got a, um, a top, a glued up top for um a piece so that was kind of i like new so i'm like oh this is fun ordering this up and then i had never tried this frottage um technique before so i liked that a lot and then the the hutch top i'd always wanted to turn one into like a a bookshelf and put feet on it so that was something fun that i was able mm-hmm. to do and that one actually threw a lot of curveballs because getting the glass back in it was this bubble glass that bubbled out in between the framing of the the crosshatch mm-hmm. framing of the glass i couldn't use the rubber um trim to put the glass back mm-hmm. in i had to brainstorm <laughs> a lot of different ways and i tried a few different things um but ended up going with these little um they're for screen doors like to hold it in so i they're like yeah. little clips so i ended up doing that um, to put that back in. So even though that was a challenge for me, it was fun to try to, you know, brainstorm and troubleshoot um, what to do with it. So I liked it. Wow. Well, that's excellent. Well, Jeannie, what general recommendations do you have for refinishers to keep it simple when choosing the right paint for the right finish or look? I would say first think about what the look is that you're after. Now, so say you want a very clean finish now if you would have asked me about one of my pieces that were a clean finish super sleek i would have said that is like a nine or a ten just because that to me it takes a lot of there's not a lot of room for error and it takes a lot of finesse and you know knowing how you want to hold your brush or what to use and all the very fine sanding that goes in between each layer of those very clean finishes to Uh me that's that's hard so if I'm going for a finish like that, I wouldn't reach for a milk paint or a chalk paint. And that's not to say you can't achieve a very clean, smooth finish with those. I just think you have to work harder than necessary. Does that make sense? Because they have mm-hmm. a lot of texture to them and brush strokes. So I would reach for something like an acrylic-based paint. like um, I like fusion or like ceramic-based, like the Chippy Barn is really mm-hmm. nice for a smooth finish. Or... Um, my favorite is probably General Finishes milk paint, which is tricky. Not to be confused with traditional milk paint that you mix with the powder. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's in a can. It's not a powder formulation. Mm-hmm. So using a paint that's designed to have um, to roll on very smoothly and finish very fine is going to make your life a lot easier. Now wow. the reverse of that, with if I want to have a very textured chippy blendy finish i'm not going to reach for that say um acrylic based paint that's i would reach for for a very smooth finish because i have to work a lot harder to if i want to distress it those paints are very hard to distress number one Mm. number two i don't find that they blend as well as a milk or a chalk paint does i feel Mm -hmm. like it's much easier to achieve that 
with those type of more porous matte paints, because those other paints, the acrylics and whatnot, are they are aimed for a smooth finish, trying to get texture out of them is really hard and you have to layer and it just keeps wanting to self-level, self-leather, self-level, which you could really mm -hmm. build up a finish with texture with a chalk paint or a milk paint. Does that make sense? Yes. No, uh, that's, that's helpful the way you sort of diagram that out um, audibly. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Um, so it's very good advice. So we appreciate that. Jeannie, it's a lot of fun chatting with you. Each piece you work on just has a happy look to it. And your love for refinishing really shines through. We're excited to feature you this month and look forward to the days ahead to see more Blush Vintage pieces hit the Instagram feed. So you take care. Thank you so much, Lane. It's Thanksgiving week, and we have a special message for you from our Zebra crew, Mike, Susan, Ellis, Lane, Bree, Shelley, and Joe. Hello, friends. The Zebra crew wants to wish you a special message this holiday season. With the challenges we all have faced this year. And all the unknowns we've each encountered. We do know this much. Our community is strong and remains strong. And confidently, we will grow together. We have a lot to be thankful for this year. And one of our primary blessings is each of you. So from the Zebra family to you and your family, we pray that each of you and your families have a wonderful, safe, and healthy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.